The uh, founding fathers concluded the Declaration of Independence by saying, for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And if you read much of the, father, the founding fathers or people of that time period, they're often referred to providence. They'll talk about uh, the hand of providence and, um, and sort of make providence um, a shorthand for God. But in this, in this text, they talked about the protection of divine providence. Well, what, what do they mean by providence? Well, I don't know exactly what the founders meant by providence. I know some of them did profess Christianity, but some of them that spoke of providence didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. Um, they used it in the sense of sort of almost like um, fate, that there was an order to the universe and things were going to work out, and it was by this protection of this um, existence of providence that there was God and there was order, but very mysterious to us. Um, they just trust that things were going to work out, I guess. There's one way you could look at it, but... Is that what Scripture means by providence? And is that what believers um, like you and I this morning mean by providence? We just heard uh, It Is Well With My Soul. And that is a song written by a man who had lost everything. Um, his, his, his children, his home, his business, had lost everything. Um, one thing after another, and he said, It is well with my soul. That is a reliance on, I don't understand why things are happening, but I know it is well with my soul uh, due to uh, my God. It is a reliance upon God's fatherly provision for us. And that's the way we might think of it. To understand God's providence is to, to understand God's provision. Um, Hercules Collins wrote, uh, reworked the Heidelberg Catechism for his Baptist congregation, called it the Orthodox Catechism. And one of the questions in that, he said, how do you understand, or what do you understand by divine providence? When you hear providence, what do you think of it? Um, so he, he reworked this about the time of our founding fathers, whenever this was just the normal way people talk, talk about providence. So he said, what do you understand by the providence of God? So that's a good question. What do you understand by it? This morning, when you hear divine providence, what is it that you understand? What do you, what do you hear? So is it, well, things are just going to work out just because they are? Is it because there is some kind of order in the universe and, and that's the way it's going to be and I'm in the middle of it and this is, providence is the universe working itself out? Well, the Bible talks much about um, God's working in the universe. And here's the definition that was provided. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds with, as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. That's what the Bible teaches us about providence. Yes, all things work out according to the 
plan, that, that things will work out for the good of God's people. But it's not random. And yes, there is order, but it's not an impersonal order. It's not as if there is an impersonal plan that has been set forth and nothing can change that. That, that fate or the universe has so ordered things that nothing will change it. No, it is providence is God working personally in time to bring things out according to his purpose. So when you and I talk about providence, we're thinking of providence coming from our powerful God who provides for us from his very own hand the provision of a father to his children. The providence of God is our father taking care of us, our father providing for us, our father protecting us, our father laying out our lives for us and making sure in time that all things that he has planned comes to pass. So it is God's working in our lives according to his plan. So we can, you and I, can rest in the providence of God. We can have patience in our trials. We can have confidence in our future because we are protected by God's grace. And so this is sort of the outline of the thoughts that um, we'll be looking at this morning. Um, so, first of all, let's think about the power of God in providence. That God is the almighty, ever-present power, which that definition said. That he is, he is all-powerful. So in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, and verse 23, We're going to be looking at various scriptures this morning. The first one, Jeremiah 23-23. Jeremiah is telling the people not to listen to the false prophets. He says, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? When we think about providence, let us remember our almighty God does not, is not far off. He is not the God of the deist who created, wound up the clock, wound up the toy and, and set it forth and now the top is spinning and spinning and, now it's, and it just winds down and put it in motion by God. No, God is not a God that is afar off. God is not a distant God. But there is no place where God is not. Does he not fill heaven and earth? And so when we think of the providence of God, we think of God as being all-powerful and ever-present. A God who is with us. A God who is always with us and knows our present situation, knows our needs, knows the situation um, of our lives and of our community, of our nation, of the world, knows um, what he has in store for us in the future but has not forsaken us now. God is with us every moment of our life, every step of the way, every second um, of our day, God is with us. He is not a God that is far off. So let us remember that in our trials. Let us remember that in our temptations. 
that God is not a God that is far, uh, far off. He is with us. In the book of Acts, chapter 17. In verse 24. Paul's talking to the men of Athens. He says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations for men to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain of also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So as Paul is witnessing to these uh, pagan men of Athens, he points out, certain truths about God. Not that just God is with Christians or God is with Baptists or God is with this group or that group, but God is God over all. He is, He gives life to all people. He gives breath to all people. He is the, the ruler and the creator of all. And all people live and move and have our being in the provision of God. And so, even those who reject God, and even those who deny God, are still provided for and given life by this Almighty God. And what Paul is doing, I believe, is is showing them from the things that God had um, put in their own heart, that they knew that there was a God because they had an altar to the unknown God. And Paul is saying, well, you have an altar to the unknown God. Let me tell you about this God that you don't know anything about. Let me tell you about the unknown God, the true God, the living God by which you have life, the God by which you have breath, the God by which everything that you have in this world um, and every provision that uh, you you just take for granted. God has provided that for you. And so here is a an almighty, ever-present God who provides for everything and everyone in this universe. You go to some parts of the country, some parts of the world, they have different deities. We were talking about um, the universalist uh, or universal um, Unitarian Church um, the other day. And I got on the website and looked about what they believed in. And they, you can be a member of that church and believe anything that you want to. You can, um, as far as there is membership. So you can be a Unitarian and be a Muslim. You can be a Unitarian and be an atheist. It really doesn't matter. You don't have to believe in anything. Um, their principles or unity are around... Um, now, anyway, they're around social justice, is around um, taking care of the earth, being 
good to other people. Those are centers of unity. And so as long as you um, have those social and uh, physical things as your center of unity, you can be part of that church. Uh, but, but that religion would, would talk about providence in the sense that, well, something, whatever you want to call your higher power, takes care of you. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that there is one God. And this one true and living God is the one that takes care of you. He's the one that provides for you. And what a terrible thing to take from the hand of the Almighty God and yet reject Him or ignore Him. So Paul is pointing out what is um, naturally true because God has created us in His image to know this to be true, that He is the God who provides. So He is all-powerful and all-ever-present God who upholds with His hand all things. So God provides for His creatures. So the Lord God has created a universe. He has created man and all the creatures that, that live upon the earth, the animals, the bugs, the, the, the birds, the, the grass, all things upon this earth. He provides for all of his creatures. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 1, verse number 3. who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Our God has created all things and now provides for all things and upholds all things. Some people have a view of creation that God created the earth and then created the possibility of evolution and then put things in play and then eventually man comes along through a process of evolution. So it's called theistic evolution. It, it tries to combine what scientists believe with, with a view of, of God. But I think this not only denies just what the scriptures tell us, but it goes against the fact that, that God is not that distant in that he would create and just set in motion, but he is upholding all things by the word of his power. That he is um, keeping things in existence. That the, the world spins because God is in control. That, that we are here being able to see and to hear because God upholds all things. It rains because... God upholds all things. The sun rises and sets because God upholds all things by the word of his power. That God is in control and ever presently in control. That if God stopped upholding all things by his power, then all things would not continue on as they are. That not only is he powerful, but, but involved in his creation in time right now that God is involved in our breath and our thinking and our reading and our hearing and the birds outside and the sun shining and, and the grass growing the insects crawling around the, the birds 
in their nests and the, the, the bees out uh, pollinating and so forth. God is in control of all these things, upholding all these things, that, that everything that is and everything that works is by God's power and his provision. Again, he rules everything. Think about coming uh, food shortages. We might be able to say, well, here's reasons why that there's food shortages. Here's reasons why that the shelves are empty. Here's reasons why that these are lean years. And we could, we could look at the very immediate causes of these things. Or you could step back and say, okay, there's these issues because of these immediate causes, but there's, there's bigger issues at play. There's, there's issues with people in power that are in play, and people on this side of the world and that side of the world, all these things are in play. But let's take one step further back. Why, why are there problems? Why has this been allowed to happen? Well, because God is in control of all these things. God rules rain and drought, fruitful years and lean years. And whether that be through weather changes or whether that be because it, um, people have, have made really bad decisions or, or, or really bad choices, God in his providence is in control of these things as well. Why? Are we, why do we get sick? Is that outside of God's power? Is that outside of God's control? Or is the all-powerful, ever-near, loving Father orchestrating all things according to his purpose? Well, that's what the scriptures tell us. That God rules all things according to, to his power, according to his will. Um... John chapter number 9, verse number 3. The disciples asked why the man that was born blind, or who sinned, this man or his, his parents? Jesus said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. Why was the man born blind? Because So that the works of God would be manifest in him. That according to God's plan, Jesus would heal him. So, so the Lord was involved here. It's not that the Lord was distant or the Lord didn't really want him to be blind and that he wanted him to be, um, have his best life. No, Jesus says, no, he was born blind on purpose by God, that there was a reason for this. And it wasn't for the retribution of one man's sin or his parents' sin or, or because uh, somebody did something bad, then, then it was a cause and effect. We like cause and effect um, in, our, in our minds. It rationalizes things. Why did this happen? Well, because somebody did something bad. Why, why is this person poor? Well, they made bad choices and cause and effect, cause and effect. Well, it's not always like that. We know that. The book of Job tells us like that. It's not always a cause and effect type situation. The disciples say, well, who was the cause of this? 
And Jesus said the, that he was given this blindness from the hand of God with the purpose that God's work should be made manifest in him. Now, we can look at our lives and say, I'm in this situation because I made bad choices. I made bad decisions. I can clearly see that. But we can also say, but I know that I'm here at this time because of the providence of God. In the providence of God, I'm here, and God has not forsaken me. And so this truth can be hard, but we can find rest in this because it is God who is in control. But first you just lay the foundation that all things in fact come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. So when, you think, so when we think about providence, we think about the power of God, that God is all places and all, uh, at all times, he is all powerful, nothing can stay his hand. Then we think that God provides for his creatures. He didn't just create the world and step back and let us go, but he is involved in everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we say. He is with us, and he provides for us. And then we remember that it is from the Father that these things come. Now, you and I, as, as Christians, and everyone is here this morning, profess Christ for Savior. And so every one of us this morning can say, My Father... My Father has provided for me. It is not an impersonal God. And so I started off talking about the Founding Fathers and they talk about protection from divine providence. And I don't have any problem with them saying that, but I just wonder what they mean by that. Um, Because I've read some biographies of some of the, the men and they would talk about providence. But they rarely talk about Jesus Christ. And they talk about providence and they capitalize the P. And then they personify providence as a, as a person, but never went any further than that. And so um, I wonder, well, did they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Did they, did they know God the Father through Christ? Or were they just talking about general truths that people made in the image of God know and understand? Um, so... What you and I need to do is not stop and just say, well, I know all things work out. But we press on and say, I know all things will work it out, out because God, my Father, who loved me and chose me in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and, and my Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for me, provides for, my, for, all my, for all my life. And it is my Father who is the Almighty God. It is my Father who is the ever-present power and who is always near and who will not leave me or forsake me. It is my Father and in my Savior, His Son, who upholds all things with His hand. It is my Father who dwells in heaven and earth and provides for every creature and so rules every leaf and blade of grass and the drought and the rain and the lean years and the food and the drink and the sickness and poverty and prosperity, all things come not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. And so now we, we, we think it is not just an impersonal God or an impersonal force, but my father takes care of me. 
My Father who, as Jesus says, clothed the fields with beautiful flowers, who provides the sparrows with their food, who knows every hair on my head, it is He who provides for me. It's my Father who takes care for me. And so, that led to the next question in Brother Collins's catechism, where he said, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? Well, I think when we think about that, we can see how it helps us. Because we can be patient when things go against us. In James chapter number 1, verse number 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We can be patient when things go against us, as, as the answer said. Just like Job, when he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job, it's not the kind of patience where... Um, you're sitting in the doctor's office and the appointment is at 1 o'clock and it's 1.45 and you haven't been called back yet. And you say, well, I just got to sit here and wait. But it is, the, the, it is endurance. It is pressing on. And so if you sit there and continue, you're exhibiting patience because you're going to wait until it's your turn. You're going to endure. That, that's what the patience is. It's not just the fact that you're sitting there because you could sit there and grumble and complain and and all sorts of things. You're going to endure that time. Well, when things go against us, we can have patience. Because James went on to say, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But this patience has a work for us. And who's put, this, who's put these trials in our life? Well, it's God that's done that. And God is putting these trials in our life that we would... Um, trust in him and say okay I've got this terrible thing going on right now well my father in heaven has ordered this and he's almighty he can do anything and so if God didn't want this trial to come about it wouldn't have come about and it did come about because God wanted it to and God hasn't forsaken me because he's, he's everywhere He's my ever-present, uh, he's ever-present God. God is not far off. God is near. And God upholds all things, from the beating of my heart to the to the rising of the sun. So He's in control of this situation too. And it didn't happen by chance. That I didn't lose my job by chance. I didn't uh, I didn't get sick by chance. I didn't have a flat tire by chance. But since God is all-powerful and God has ordered all things, this, has must, this must have come from my Father's hand. And because God loves me, and because God is with me, I can be patient. I can endure this because I'm going to trust in Him. That's why James says, if any lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If we have wisdom in this, if we, have, if we lack wisdom in... Uh, understanding these things, ask of God and he will, he will provide the understanding. He will provide us the ability to have patience and endure. 
So he's, the, the answer was we can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well. Now that's the flip side of that. When things go well, we shouldn't puff up our chest and say, well, I'm, I'm a genius and uh, everything, everything that I've planned comes to pass just as I have foretold and how I did it. And I get all praise and glory for all these things. No, we can say, when God gives, blessed be the name of God because he has provided for me. And when things go bad, we can say, blessed be the name of God. God has put this trial in my life for a purpose. We can be patient, and we can be thankful. I saw the uh, Dilbert uh, cartoon strip, and uh, he asked his boss, he said, so I remember whenever you said to, to invest in cryptocurrency, and, and you're making hand over fist by investing in Bitcoin, um, that kind of thing. He said, uh, you were calling yourself a genius. He said, but now that you've lost all your fortune investing in that and, you know, it's tanked, what do you call yourself? <laughs> and because he was taking credit for being a genius for investing in this thing and making lots of money, but when the market crashed and he lost all of his money, um, was he going to say the opposite? He said, well, I was a genius when I was making money, but it's out of my hands whenever I lost it. Well, you and I don't want to say, well, it's God's with me when the hard times, when the good times come, not be thankful. Both things are... God is always with us in good times and bad times. And, and he blesses us and we thank him for it in his providence working in our lives. And we, we're patient in the bad times whenever uh, God uh, provides for us.